0: weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. This week we'll take a look at the budget passed by the North Carolina Senate, including some key education provisions and a controversial amendment passed at 3 a.m. that appeared to target only Democratic districts for cuts. We'll talk to the senator from the northeastern North Carolina district that was the hardest hit we're also talking with former North Carolina Senator Howard Lee, who was just recognized for leadership in education. Before we tackle the main topic, we open with our segment we call "Headlines," a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the US. On May the 13th, the North Carolina Senate passed its $22.9 billion budget in a party-line vote 32 to 15. The next step is the House, which is taking place in the next few days. Notable education items in the Senate budget include $131 million for teacher raises, an average 3.7 percent salary increase in 2017-2018. Now under the plan, not all teachers get raises with the largest bumps going to teachers with 9 to 14 years of experience. There are no increases for beginning teachers or for teachers with 25 or more years of experience. North Carolina principals would also see raises under the Senate plan. The Senate budget contains significant cuts at the Department of Public Instruction, 25% actually, the much-discussed class-size reduction mandate that school leaders say will force layoffs, of specialty teachers like art, music, and PE, is not funded in the Senate proposal. The budget does include language that the Senate intends to fund these positions. Finally, the budget includes restoration of a modified North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program, increases funding for early childhood education. The final vote on the budget included some late-night drama that we'll discuss with our first guest. One controversial provision in the Senate budget was the elimination of funding for the North Carolina Governor's School, a summer residential program for gifted North Carolina high school students. The program serves more than 600 students each summer on campuses in Winston-Salem and Raleigh and was the first of its kind in the U.S. when it started in 1963. Governor's School funding was targeted by the General Assembly in 2011, but was restored after an outpouring of support from businesses, parents, and alumni of the program. This year, the Senate reversed course on elimination of the funding for this coming fiscal year less than 24 hours after unveiling the budget, but has zero funds for the school in 2018. Voters may see a $1.9 billion school construction bond on the November 2018 ballot if a bill moving through the North Carolina House becomes law. The state's public schools have just over $8 billion in capital needs for new school construction as well as renovations and additions to existing school buildings. House Bill 866 would allocate the funds to each county based on the average student population and expected growth, as well as the size of the county and its ability to raise its own funds for construction. Finally this week, a lot happening. President Donald Trump and Education Secretary Betsy DeVos released their first full-budget proposal this week that includes $9.2 billion in cuts to federal education programs. The budget eliminates 21st Century Community Learning Centers, a national after-school program that serves 1.6 million children, a lot here in North Carolina. The budget also cuts $2.1 billion from teacher training and class size reduction efforts. The administration would channel part of the savings into its top priority, which is school choice, driving more than $1 billion into programs and research to expand the use of vouchers for private and religious schools and grants to charter schools. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, we're talking Senate budget today, and joining us is Senator Erica Smith-Ingram. Senator Smith-Ingram is from, we have Northeastern North Carolina on the, on the screen because you're District 3, which represents, I'm going to get the counties in here, Bertie, Chowan, Edgecombe, Hertford, Martin, Northampton, Tyrrell and Washington Counties. Yes. So thank you so much for being here today. Now, one of the reasons why um, I invited you on um, is, unfortunately, you were you were called up in something that got some attention in the news media, actually got some national attention in the Washington Post, right at the end of the budget process. And for our viewers, I, I want to sort of explain a little bit about how that goes. But the, okay. the, we were coming up to the last vote. You had to have a vote. And one day, and then they waited until, and then the Senate majority uh, waited until 12.05 in the morning for the second vote. And that's when you and some others started offering some amendments uh, to the budget. Um, Tell me what happened next.
1: Okay. As uh, my colleagues and I were offering amendments to perfect the budget, several of those amendments included uh, a 2% cost of living adjustment increase, For our retirees, we had one that would expand teacher pay so that those with 25 or more years of teaching experience are not left out of the opportunity for their salaries to grow as well for their commitment to public education. I ran an amendment that would expand broadband, particularly to rural eastern and western parts of North Carolina. And we know how um, significant and important broadband is in terms of providing economic opportunities as well as educational opportunities.
0: Now, that sounds like pretty pretty normal recently. amendments to a budget. I mean, now look, you're a Democrat, which yes. means and, and, the, and Republicans in the Senate have a supermajority, so they're gonna pass the budget Absolutely. at some point, but you're gonna offer things, you, you, you have all these counties that you represent. Um, but then something um, a little unusual happens. Senator Brent Jackson, um, and I think we have a picture of Senator Jackson, he's a Republican who uh, represents Duplin, Sampson and Johnston County, uh, came back with an, uh, with an amendment Um, That was introduced that said, we've been talking about opioid addiction in caucus, in Republican caucus, and we're going to put an additional million dollars into it to fund some pilot programs. It's an important issue, uh, opioid addiction. Um, And I invited Senator Jackson to come on to talk about uh, the provisions of the amendment, but he did not um, um, respond to us. The one million dollars um, was paid for out of some sort of creative changes to the budget. That, um, and I'm going to get. I want to get the exact number. Your district lost three hundred sixteen thousand six hundred forty-six dollars, according to my calculations, in funding yes. um, for cuts to an earl- to two early college high schools in your district. Yes. Uh, cuts to a, a program called Eastern North Carolina STEM, and this one is a, was even um, more. Um, uh, I don't know. Disappointing. Two of at least two of your counties uh, were removed from a program to help teachers' assistants move into teaching jobs. Um, th- what was your reaction? I mean, did you know what was going on at the time when this was um, being introduced?
1: I was working through the amendment stuff. When an amendment is presented and the amendment sponsor starts explaining the amendment, they usually typically give an explanation of what the amendment is going to do and where it's shifting the money from. That was not done in the explanation of this amendment. There was a lot of discussion about opioid and providing another million dollars, but it was not stated that this was taking away educational opportunities for students in Eastern North Carolina, many of these students, who are minority students, um, high-poverty students, and but for these opportunities, they would not have access to STEM programming as well as what the cooperative and innovative high schools offer. And I just do need to say something about that. It was actually... um, Six of my counties were removed from turning TAs into teachers. As you know, it's really hard to recruit educators in many of these uh, school districts, and they have a low supplement. So what this provision would have allowed is for us to grow our own, Mm -hmm. to turn TAs into teachers. It's something that we have been working on for over a year and a half. I represent eight counties. Six of those eight counties were added to the pilot. And when they were added to the pilot, typically for an amendment, you mark through the counties that you're taking out, and then you insert uh, those counties that you are adding. That wasn't done. The whole paragraph was edited, and so um, it listed the new counties without showing in writing that you were eliminating six in the um, hard-to-feel areas. And and
0: look, these are, and and the things that, the the counties that were moved, I mean, these are all facts. I mean, this is not, this is not my opinion or your Mm -hmm. opinion, the counties that were removed and, uh, and, and targeted for cuts are all represented by Democrats.
1: All represented by Democrats.
0: All the counties that were added to uh, the TA to teacher program and to the opioid pilot programs are all represented by Republican senators. Is that right?
1: That is correct. I, okay. and, keep, and one thing that's important to add here, Two of the counties that were removed, Senator Bryant represents Halifax County, I represent Northampton County, but these two counties have taken turns with the highest teacher turnover in the state for the last five years. Yeah. And so it was very deliberate to include those so we can solve the problem of filling our teacher vacancies in these counties, but they were removed.
0: Now, does Senator Jackson or anyone in the, in the Senate uh, Republican leadership uh, either come to you before or after to explain, you know, we had some concerns about the uh, you know these two early college high schools In Northampton and Washington County, didn't think that they were doing a good job or didn't really think that. uh, Eastern North Carolina STEM was a good program. Anything like that?
1: No, and quite the contrary. The Eastern STEM program has been one of the most successful programs in the state, and Representative Craig Horn also brought that to our attention. He's been a supporter of that. For, in terms of the Cooperative Innovative High Schools, you know that the legislature has funded those schools for the last 11 years, with the exception of 2016. So, since 2016, we were working very um, in a committed manner to make sure we can provide these opportunities. All of these counties are tier one counties, both Washington and Northampton. And they have the early college program, which you know is instrumental Mm -hmm. in making sure students can um, have the access to an associate's degree when they graduate from high school. They have a degree in one hand, certification in the other hand. They're well on their way to completing college or moving into the workforce.
0: So what's next? I mean, what's gonna happen, I guess first of all, do you think this, that this can be changed um, in um, either in the House budget or in conference? And also, I guess worst case scenario, if these things stand, what happens to these, to this, these two high schools? What happens to Eastern of Stem?
1: Well, I have full faith and confidence. I have had some courageous conversations with Senate leadership, and I've also spoken to um, our House leadership. And there is a concerted effort underway as we speak to put those much-needed provisions back in the budget, so we can do right by children in Eastern North Carolina. Keith, I can tell you, I don't know what happened that night. You know, my parents have a curfew <laughs> of midnight because they say nothing happens nothing good, good after midnight. Nothing good happens 12, after midnight, after right? Midnight. I've heard that too. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you look Look at what was done at 3 o'clock. I don't know if it was ego that exacted such retribution for Democrats running amendments to perfect the budget, or I don't know if it was sleep deprivation that would lead to the uh, devastation of opportunities for students. And so I think now that calmer minds are prevailing and there's been a significant outcry um, of support for restoring these provisions in the budget, that's what gives me the confidence and the optimism. That we are going to do what's right um, by our students.
0: Well, that's what I mean. I think that's what uh, you know. As we, we've often said, we don't you know care whose idea it is, Republican or Democrat, but our focus should be on the children, right, and doing what's Absolutely. best. So, uh, it sounds like that that's what you're trying to do, um, in in terms of sort of working through some of these challenges that that, that may happen. I mean, I, I guess you know, a sort of a final question: If these aren't um, restored, what happens to the program?
1: If they're not restored, the Eastern STEM program, this will be their last summer operating. And um, it, it's been a phenomenal program to offer opportunities, and it's just sad that that program will end after this summer and they will not be able to provide opportunities for students without the funding.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the show and talking thank about you. it. We'll, we'll, after, we, after we get through all this, we'll get you back on. We'll talk about uh, how things were uh, adjusted. How about Let's that? Let's do that. Thank, so you. thank you. Thank you. Now, before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. North Carolina's average teacher salary ranking jumped from 41st last year to 35th. True or false? The state's per-pupil spending ranking also increased. Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer false? per pupil spending declined this year compared to last year. We now rank 43rd nationally, down from 42nd in how much we spend per child in education, which is actually $3,000 per l- less than the national average. Our next guest is former Senator Howard Lee senator lee is the former chairman of the state board of education former cabinet member under governor jim hunt uh... actually the first african-american to hold both of those positions We're, we invited uh, senator lee back on with us he's actually been on the show before we just Got recognized i should point out the public school forum just recognized uh... senator lee last week for leadership and education and so i wanted to have you on again to talk about leadership um, you write a lot about leadership you've I spoken do. on it um... What do you think about, when you think about education and leadership, what are the, sort of how do you, in your mind, what do you think about?
2: Well, there are three areas of leadership that I think are key to our long-term success in educating children. Uh, The first, of course, is at the school level. Uh, Here we have principals, if they're innovative and visionary people, can have an environment in which teachers and students can thrive and of course can find ways to provide the support that is necessary even without resources to keep the school functioning at a higher level. The second important leadership uh, is political. Uh, if we look back at our history, Governor Hunt uh, who brought Smart Start to get kids started on the right foot uh, going to school, Terrace Sanford who brought in the community colleges, Mike Easley who brought in a Morit Four, and Jim Martin and Jim Holzhauser with uh, Early Childhood Education, Uh, those were keys and I think the governor's office is is a key to giving us the kind of policies and policy directions that are important. And the third and important is community leadership. Community leadership includes faith-based institutions as well as business and community-based organizations in support of local schools and local school systems. Without that, I think uh, we won't have the kind of success that, that we all wish, hope we can have, and certainly are working toward that. And that has been the success that has been the process that has contributed to my success, and that is what I'm engaged in trying to generate uh, as a part of my institute work today.
0: Right. So, school leadership, community leadership, and and political leadership. And now, we'll on the political side. Now, I should point out. Now, I'm not trying to I'm not to talk about how, how old you are, but you were you were elected <laughs> mayor of Chapel Hill in 1969. In fact, in fact, I was I was chuckling. I thought, you know, if if, this, if and you were the first African American. Uh, to be elected to a predominantly white um, right. southern town since Reconstruction. Now, if that happened now, I guess you would—it would, would have—you would have blown up on Twitter. You would have been viral, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but back then, you were—it—it it made the New York Times. I mean, it was a national news story. Now, that started on a trajectory of you being involved in some of these things you're talking about. Um, was that kind of leadership in, in moving North Carolina to a uh, positive? Uh,
2: Uh, sort of the positive reputation that we still enjoy uh, today on education. Absolutely. Uh, Amazingly enough, at the time I was elected mayor, I was also affiliated with Duke University in early childhood education, and at that time working and trying to strengthen middle school activities in the Durham school system. And, of course, uh, that was my Chapel Hill school system, which I was engaged with. So no question that being mayor and being in the position at Duke gave me the kind of insight uh, which led to having an impact both in Chapel Hill as well as in Durham, and then led me ultimately as a part of Governor Jim Hunt's uh, organization to impact statewide education. Right. Now, our viewers, I, now
0: I have the benefit of asking you a question that I already know the answer to. Um, what can individuals do um, to make a difference? Uh, you, with your institute, focus a lot on mentorship and relationships. What can someone watching this show um, go out and start doing right now? that would make a
2: difference? Well, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, socioeconomic is uh, the destructor of many of our young people, especially young black boys who are growing up in poverty. And uh, many of these kids don't have the kind of role models or the self-confidence that will allow them to believe in themselves and believe that they can be successful in the educational arena. Uh, individuals can offer themselves up to schools. Schools are looking for volunteers who could come in and engage with students, uh, teaching them how to read and working with them on other problems that uh, teachers don't seem to have time to do. Uh, Individuals can also offer themselves up to be, uh, to help find resources that support the local school system and volunteer. So we
0: all have a role to play. Everybody has a role to play. Thank you for being here today. Congratulations again on the recognition. Well deserved, Senator Lee. Thank you and it's always my pleasure. Thank you. After the week, after the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we spotlight Joanne Blumenfeld in Raleigh.
3: list is a program that was started at NC State two years ago, and it is a program to help support students with disabilities um, in grades 9 through 12. We use a lot of labs at NC State. Um, the program is sponsored by Biogen Foundation. There's 168,000 students in North Carolina in public schools, and very few go on to STEM careers, less than 7%. And Lemelson-MIT has an invention competition. We were selected the top 15 teams. We are the first team ever selected with students with disabilities. MIT gave us a $10,000 grant to help build the device. A lot of cows develop lameness. It has an economic impact for farmers and what we decided to do is make a mat, a screening tool for farmers. This would really help them get care quickly and have the animals suffer less. So our mat that we have developed costs less than $1,000. The current one on the market is over $100,000. We hope to market it in the future and work more on it. We were really very lucky. Governor Cooper was very, very nice. Kids met him because they wanted to show the invention. The kids really enjoyed his visit. Um, They were very honored that he came to see them and congratulate them, um, that they made it to MIT. He's really caring for the kids and wants to improve STEM education. People look at students with disabilities as people that we need to help, but I really think we need to flip this mindset and they need to be the ones that can help us and they are the ones that can help us. Students with disabilities are great out of the box thinkers. They learn perseverance. we give them the supports, they could be the future inventors and help build the deficit of the workforce in North Carolina. We should be teaching them um, how to be nanotechnologists, how to be computer programmers. And they're quite capable of these skill sets if we give them the experiences and opportunities. And that's what the Catalyst program um, sets out to do.
0: After the break, this week's final word. When we started Education Matters last year, I promised you we would share the real facts about what is happening in public education in North Carolina. At the Public School Forum, part of our mission is to inform you, the public, about the impact of various education policy proposals, what's good about them, what could be improved, and what's simply a bad idea. We're going to call balls and strikes, regardless of who's throwing them. In the case of the 3 a.m. budget amendment we talked about with Senator Erica Smith-Ingram, it's an easy call. The late-night maneuver that funded pilot programs for something as serious as combating opioid addiction but only in counties represented by Republicans and then paying for it by cutting important education programs that serve poor, mostly students of color, in counties represented only by Democrats was cynical, petty politics. It's precisely the kind of thing that makes people hate politicians and why young people, in particular, hold our institutions in such low regard. The $1 million for opioid addiction programs could have easily been paid for without a tax increase and without targeting Eastern North Carolina counties. The state has a projected $580 million revenue surplus just this year, and the Senate's proposed budget adds another $363 million to a rainy day fund that already stands at a record $1.5 billion. Let's say putting $362 million more into that rainy day fund instead of $363 million could have funded the opioid pilot programs if that was the real intent of Senator Brent Jackson's amendment. But seeing the surgical precision in which only counties represented by Democratic senators lost funding for two early college high schools in rural northeastern North Carolina, lost programs to help teacher assistants become teachers and lost support for an after-school summer science and math program for underserved children the intent is only too clear look there's some wise investments in this proposed senate budget including continuing investment in teacher pay and finally some attention to the woeful state of principal pay where north carolina ranks 50th but cuts to promising and proven education programs Only in counties represented by Democrats is vindictive and, frankly, beneath the institution they represent. Let's hope the North Carolina House sees fit to undo the damage. As I close this episode, a personal comment. While Education Matters was on break, we lost a good friend of the show. Mark Binker died suddenly and unexpectedly on April 29th at age 43. That's a a photo of him on our program just a few weeks ago with me and Lynn Bonner from the Nixon Observer. Mark was a terrific reporter at the Greensboro News and Record, then at REL-TV, here where we record our show, and then as editor of the North Carolina Insider. You are already missed, Mark. That's it for this week's show. Next week we have the chairman of the State Board of Education, Bill Kobe, on the program, as well as key leaders from the charter school sector who we'll talk about with some new policy proposals. Make sure you tune in. Thanks for watching.